0: For this evening, our scripture lesson will be from the Old Testament Book of Psalms, Psalm 47. And as we prepare to read God's word, would you join with me in a moment of prayer? Father, your word is such a precious gift to us and every day of our lives, we are thankful for it. We thank you that you speak into our lives the truth that we need to hear and that through that word, you show us yourself. We see you on every page that's in this book, and every page tells us who you are, and thereby tells us also who we ought to be. So Lord, we're asking that you would speak to us through your word tonight, that you would use the words that I prepared, but that you would move even beyond that to let your spirit speak directly into our hearts, to challenge us, to encourage us, to bless us, to do whatever you need to do in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 47, this is God's word. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued people under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people gather together as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Well, there are a lot of things that happen every day in our lives that could really make us very unhappy people. Sometimes we run into conflicts with different people and that leaves us with a little bit of consternation regarding that. Sometimes um, we're suddenly surprised with something that breaks down and we get a repair bill and we're going, ooh, that wasn't in the budget, how do I pay for that? And sometimes other kinds of things happen, like we go to the doctor and we get a report, a diagnosis of some kind, and we go, Ooh, I wasn't expecting that. And boy, that could really change my life or the life of a family member or a friend. And we see those things happening and they begin to affect our level of happiness. But then we realize that there's so much else going on in the world around us as well. We look to our government and we see that they cannot seem to agree on anything these days and that there's so much conflict there and that there is so much going on that seems contrary even to the word of God. And we're not happy about those kinds of things. And then we look farther out there and and I don't know, I, I sometimes can't even stand to watch the evening news anymore because it's always stories about people who are committing crimes, and about wars that are going on in different places, and about different sorts of tragedies that are striking the world, and and man, it could make you all so sad, could not? And then there's other little stuff like trivial kinds of things like, did you know that this past October was the cloudiest October ever on record? Doesn't that make you all kind of sad? maybe kind of depressed, just not very happy people. But I want to tell you that I don't want to leave you there tonight, because if I've made you unhappy, I'm sorry, because that's not what God's word tonight is saying to us. It is saying that we should be a people who rather than being sad are filled with joy. Now, I want you to know that joy and happiness aren't necessarily the same thing. We can be unhappy and yet be joyful at the same time. Does that make sense to you? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe by the time we get done tonight, that will make sense to you. Because we, as followers of Jesus Christ in particular, but as people of God in this world, have come to a place where we understand that happiness is often based on the circumstances of life, all those things that are going on in our lives and around our lives and out there in the world. And so happiness meter in our lives keeps kind of bouncing all over the place. But the joy that we have is a joy that comes from inside of us from the Spirit of God being in our hearts and from the knowledge that no matter what is going on in all this wide world, that our God is still on his throne, that our God reigns. And in that knowledge, we are a people who have great joy no matter what our circumstances may be. And that's what this psalm is teaching us tonight, and I want you to look at some of the words of the psalm with me as we consider God's message to us. Because we begin in recognizing that our God is a God who is a God who in many ways embodies joy. He is a God of joy. We read that from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, because we look at the opening chapter of the Bible and we read that God created all the earth, and when he saw it, he said it was all very good. Which to me says, God's sitting there smiling at this earth that he made and thinking, this is so great and and I can't wait till these people in the world all get to grow up and they serve me and they love me with all their heart and soul and strength. And then we didn't. And yet God is a God of joy. Joy is part of the character of our God. So I think about how people in the world may look at our God, and some may say, well, your God is not a very nice God. And they might actually look into the Old Testament and pick out some verses here and there and say, look, he's a God of wrath. He's a God who told Israel to destroy their enemies. He's a God who actually destroyed some of their enemies himself. He's not a very nice God. He's a mean God, he's an angry God. But there's always a danger when you start picking out verses here and there that you can pull things out of context and you miss the bigger story. And so it is important for us always to read all the word of God from beginning to end to read not only the Old Testament, but the new as well. And to read all those different verses, some which make us kind of uncomfortable sometimes, but others which we find very reassuring because the whole word of God comes together to teach us that our God is one who loves us very much, a God who created us in this wonderful world in which we get to live, a God who did it for his pleasure so that we might be a people who created in his image are like him in living in that joy. So we recognize that our God is a God who rejoices and he wants us to do so as well. So how does God rejoice? One of those things is in our coming back to him. Jesus in Luke 15, seven told us that there is greater joy, greater rejoicing in heaven when each sinner repents. And even the Old Testament gave some of that thought. Ezekiel thirty-three, eleven: the sovereign Lord said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. You know, in that way, God is actually different from what is often our default reaction to people and bad things that happen around us. Our default reaction so often can be, well, you did that to me, and I'm gonna find a way to get even with you. And, you know, I I think as we look at some of the world around us today, we see them really falling into that pattern. I think Washington and our government is very much into that right now. Boy, that bugs me sometimes. But you think even about the war in the Middle East. You think about the attack that Hamas made on Israel a few weeks ago and how unjustified and brutal that seemed to be and how now Israel has responded by bombing the daylights out of some of the Gaza Strip. And, and you look at that and you, you see it's one hitting another and the other hitting back and it, it just seems like so much of our human reaction is that way. But that's not how God is. God is so very different from that. A God who wants to have joy in his life is not one who responds by saying, you've been bad, so I'm just gonna punish you. Rather, he's very patient with us, not wanting any one of us to be lost. Peter talks about that in the New Testament, but that we might all come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So our God is a God of joy, and he wants us to share with him in that joy, not a happiness based on what's going on around us or not, but a joy that comes from being in his image and having his character expressed in our hearts because his Holy Spirit is within us. And you know, if you look into the New Testament in Galatians and see that passage in chapter five that talks about the fruit of the spirit, you find that that is part of the fruit of the spirit in our lives. Some of you maybe know those nine factors and the one is first love, the second is joy. God wants that joy to be in our lives because that's one of the ways that we are like him. So that's the first thought for us on this tonight. The second thought is that God's presence with us and the display of his power in our lives also gives us great joy. So verse 2 says that we can do this because the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. Now, people who don't know our God might tremble and fear when they run into him. You can read about some instances of that in the Bible, like when Jonah was running away from God and uh, the sailors on the ship said, what have you done? You know, why is this happening to us when that storm came up? He said, well, I'm running away from God. And they responded by saying, like, ooh, you're running away from that God? Oh, that's a scary thing to do. Or you think about the attack coming on Jericho and how... The woman there said to the spies, we know who your God is. We saw what you did to Egypt. We don't want that to happen to us, but if it does, please protect me. See, some people who don't really know all about our God think that's who he is. But our God is so much more than that. He is one who wants us to live in joy every day. And so we see that we are to fear God. Not to be afraid of him like that, but that sense of fear is one of awe and wonder, of saying, we know who this God is. We have come to see how he has responded to us, and we are humbled in his presence, and and so we have this wondrous awe of God, which we call a fear of God, because we just can hardly begin to imagine how incredible this God is. So we fear him, we honor him, we recognize that he is at work in our lives. In the lives of the people that David was seeing in his audience, uh, this is in the Psalm of David, we'll talk about that just a bit in a moment, this is the Psalm of the sons of Korah, but David is present, this is in his lifetime, David's king over Israel, and they're seeing that God is at work in their lives. And um, they're seeing that God has given David the capacity to conquer some of the enemies around them. We see that the borders of Israel have been expanded to the largest that they ever were uh, up to that time and have ever been since that time. It was the glorious time for the nation of Israel. And they were saying, this is because of who God is. This is because of what God has done. And he has shown himself to Israel. And so they could say, we have this heritage, we have the land, we have the knowledge that God is with us, that God has done great things, and that all of what we have is a gift from God. And that was good for them to know that because the people of Israel had not always known that. This was a time for them that we might almost call their golden years, a time when everything seemed to be going well for them, a time when they could say, we know the blessing of God. Now, we might think about that in our lives, and we would say God is with us too, right? Amen? Yep, God is with us, especially like Sunday night, here we are in church, right? God is with us here, right? Yep. But is God with you when you go home this evening again, too, in the same way as here? And will God be with you when you go to your job this week? Will God be with you When you're in class this week, will God be with you? When you're in the grocery store this week, will God be with you as you're driving down the road in the same way that he is here right now? You're quiet. Does anybody want to say yes to that? Yes, Yes, for sure. Because we know that our God is a God who is present everywhere. You know, it's it's a thing where sometimes I like to argue once in a while with some of my brothers and sisters in Christ, that they'll be talking about something that happened, and then they'll say, yeah, and then God showed up. And I understand what they're trying to say by that, but I hate it when they say that, because I want them to know that God was there before that already, they just didn't notice, okay? So sometimes God has to open our eyes so we see him But the truth is that God is with us all the time. His presence never leaves us, and he's promised us that in his word. He doesn't just happen to show up now and then and do some amazing thing and then take off again. No, he is with us all the time. And he actually precedes us where we're going because he's there already too. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. It's hard for us to comprehend, but this omnipresent God is in all places all the time and he knows everything that's going on, and he has the capacity to influence all those things. And so even when we prayed tonight, I said praying for Israel and peace there and those kinds of things, that seems like almost too much to ask, but that's not too much to ask of our God who is there as well and has control of what's going on in that place as much today as he did way back in time when David was king in Jerusalem. God is with us, and God is at work in our lives. So we might begin to ask, well, if God is with us, how does he show himself in our lives? I want to give you some indications of that. Number one, how many of you have expressed a faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Grace has touched your life. You know that and you are witnesses to that. Just by raising your hand tonight, you have testified to that, that you know that God is with you in that way. But we also know that God in his providence gives us what we need day by day. Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread and sometimes we do that. We still say the Lord's Prayer, don't we? We pray, give us today the bread that we need and God provides. And this week does include that day of Thanksgiving. We're all probably going to say a word of thanks at some time, either in a church or at home around our dinner table with people. And, and we might even say, God, thanks for the turkey today. But Thanksgiving doesn't end there. It's not just one day. It's every day for us as people who know God's powerful presence in our lives. And every day we say thank you, God, for the bread that we eat today. Thank you, God, for the health that we can enjoy. Thank you, God, for all of what you have given to supply our needs. So that's two things that God gives us salvation. He also gives us what we need each day. How about a third thing? and that is this, that we also see answers to our prayers. Now I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, does God answer all of our prayers? People ask me that sometimes as a pastor, I could hardly begin to guess how often I've been asked that over the years that I've been a pastor. Does God actually answer all of our prayers? Yeah, he sometimes says no, and many times he says wait. Now, a lot of us don't have patience with God when he says, wait, because we're thinking, this is my emergency right now, God, and I need an answer, and I need it now. And he says, wait. But you know, God has always called his people to wait. I think about Old Testament passages and some of the times that people were waiting. You remember that Israel was in Egypt after they had followed Joseph and so on into Egypt back in those early days and that they were there for 400 years praying for deliverance because they'd been made slaves in Egypt. 400 years. Turn pages farther into the the Old Testament, you get that exile in Babylon, 70 years. And you think about even this passage, this fulfillment of the kingdom in the days of David, do you know how long it was from when God first gave that promise to Abram that he would give this land to him and his descendants and that they would be a great nation that would bless the nations of the world? That was 700 years. Now, I'll tell you, I personally don't have 700 years to wait for God. I don't think I have 400. I I don't think I even have 70 anymore, okay? Some of you younger ones among us might have that long. How long do we wait on God? (laughs) For as long as he says, because he will answer and he will do what is right and best for us. So God does answer our prayers. He answered the prayers of Israel and he answers our prayers as well. And he does these things for us every day. so sometimes when we pray those big things, we have to wait for answers. God just says, be patient, wait, and we need to be good with that. But it's also good for us to be able to see some of the small answers to prayer and to know that he shows us day by day his power in our lives we do see prayers being answered and and i just love that when we can celebrate or that we can say we prayed for this just yesterday and today look at what god did he does answer our prayers and so though we are not a people like israel who say we have a land which god has given to us and he has set up our king on high to to lead us and all those kinds of things as being specific gifts from god When we look at this passage, I think we have the same kind of thanksgiving before God, of knowing that He is with us and knowing that He answers our prayers and that we have been given the territory that we have as a heritage from Him. And in that, we find joy. Because we find that we have a place in this world which our creator God has given to us. And we have a life to live which can bring glory to him and blessing to people around us. How incredible this is. But the psalm doesn't end there either. There's one more step in that. And that's in verses 5 through 9. As we read there, but God has also ascended. He's been enthroned. Okay, so go back to the start of the psalm. It says that this is a psalm of the sons of Korah. This is actually one of a group of psalms that ranges from Psalm 42 all the way to Psalm 49. Uh, All written, a couple of them don't say who wrote them, but they seem to be part of the same section of psalms. Uh, A lot of the biblical scholars will say that probably these are psalms that David commissioned for that day when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Now some of you may know that story, some of you might not. You need to go back into 1 Samuel to find out about that where there was that day when the sons of Eli the priest took the Ark of the Covenant out to battle against the Philistines and said if we take the Ark out there we will beat the Philistines. But they didn't think they were taking God, they just thought they were doing kind of this thing of a lucky charm of bringing the Ark out there. And when they did that, God seemed not to go with the ark, and they lost the battle that day, and the ark was taken away by the Philistines. Now, it's really kind of a fun story to read at that point, because the Philistines take this ark home, and they think, this is so cool, we got the ark, we've beaten those people, we've beaten their God. But just the presence of the ark in their temple made their idol God fall over, and eventually smashed the idol just the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. And then it caused diseases among the people of the Philistines, and the Philistines finally got to a point where they said, get this thing out of here, get this away from us, because the presence of God was with that Ark and it was cursing those people. So they sent it back. But it didn't get back to where it ought to be for another 20 years, It stayed in kiriath Jearim and finally, when David was king and things were being brought together in Jerusalem, he said, we need to bring the ark to Jerusalem. And there's still even more to that story, which I won't go into tonight, but finally came the day when the ark was being carried to the, the place of worship, probably the tabernacle, in Jerusalem in the days of King David. And so you see this procession of the people. You hear the hymns being sung and and chanted and loud shouts before the Lord. And the ark is going up the hill to Jerusalem and up that hill to the place where the tabernacle was seated. And this ark was going to be set again in the Holy of Holies where it belonged. And the people were celebrating that God would be enthroned among them. And I can hardly begin to imagine what a day of celebration that was for them, to have that sense that once again, everything was in its right place. But as I was thinking about it this week, it brought back to memory for me, a friend of mine in Illinois, who's a farmer, was a farmer, he's since passed away. Uh, When I knew him, he was a farmer who planted 10,000 acres of corn every year. All by himself, he would plant that. He did have a grandson who was coming into the farm with him, but uh, he did all the planting himself because he just loved it. He also did all the combining himself, and one year he actually invited me to ride combine with him one day, and it was a brand new combine. He said, you wanna drive? I'm like, no, I'm gonna stick the prongs of this thing into a hill or something. I'm not gonna drive this multi-thousands, I don't know how much that thing costs, but I wasn't gonna drive that thing. But he was an amazing guy. Uh, He lived out in the boonies of Illinois, and uh, a lot of the fields that he had were over the border in Indiana as well, and they were kinda sandy fields, and his corn didn't grow real well there, so he said, I need center pivot irrigation for that. Couldn't find a company he could trust to get there on time for him, so he developed his own company for center pivot irrigation. And then he was having trouble with internet for his farm business and even for some of the things of uh, connecting with some of the new higher tech equipment that he had, couldn't find a good internet so he built his own company for that as well, service much of the neighborhood with internet. And that was all going really well until one day when he was struck with a very severe case of pneumonia pretty much put him down and, um, in fact, landed him in the hospital for a couple of months. And for some of that time, you could go and visit him, and he wouldn't even talk to you because he was on a ventilator, and he wasn't even conscious, it seemed. And his family was kind of in panic because it's getting close to planting time, and his grandson is saying, I'm not really ready for this yet. And there he would lay, just out of it. But by God's grace, he was healed at that time. And I still remember the day when I went into the hospital to see him once again. He's sitting up in a bed like a king on his throne, grinning from ear to ear, and all his families around him, and his paperwork is on the table in front of him, and a computer at his side, and so on. You see, this was important because he ran his farm and all his business, mostly up here. And when he was not conscious, They didn't know what to do, but now he was back in control. And from that place, sitting on the bed in the hospital, he was back to running his farm. And the family was all beaming. They were all thankful because, once again, everything was in the right places. And I saw that, and I thought, you know, that's so much like it is for us to know that God is on the throne in our lives. Because we have this sense that maybe God's not been aware of everything that's going on, and so sometimes that's some of our urgency in prayer and our concern for the world around us, and we think, God, are you seeing this? Are you getting what's going on here? And then we look. And we see that God is on his throne. And we are reassured. And we know that everything is all right. So we have this picture in the Old Testament of the Ark of the Covenant being brought up to the place of worship again, and thinking of how that demonstrated to those people that God was on his throne. But then you wanna see that this is maybe also a snapshot of the New Testament, of that day when Jesus ascended into heaven and the disciples knew that he was going back to his rightful place on the throne of glory in heaven. And you also can turn to the book of Revelation and you find out that the lamb will be on the throne and he will reign forever and ever. And you know, That just as we know that God doesn't just show up now and then when we need him and then disappear again, that Jesus reigns now already and shall forever reign on that throne. And because our God reigns, you and I can have such joy in our lives. So here's the thing once again, You can go back out there in the world and you can think, oh my, this is so wrong and this is so bad and oh, how could this have happened to me and oh, it makes me so sad and it can all destroy our happiness. But you and I are able to come back to this truth that our God reigns, that he is God, a God of joy, that he is present in our lives now and even in those darkest moments of our lives, He will never leave us, that He is working all things together for our good, and that He now and forever reigns over all the earth, and even over those people who don't yet know it, our God reigns. So you and I have reason for great joy Rejoice in the Lord always, as our opening verse said. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the truth of your word which speaks to us today. That we are people who do not need to be sad and who um, don't have to think about how we're gonna make it through this life because you are a God who is with us You are a God who has promised to bless our lives. You are a God who calls us to live in joy before you, and you make joy a part of who we are when you set your spirit in our hearts. So we wanna thank you today, Father, for your Holy Spirit who has taught us to turn to you once again, for your Holy Spirit who is at work within us to produce good fruit, which includes that joy, And that joy is not just one of the options we can choose, but it is in fact a necessary part of your character, which you want built into who we are. So God, let us reflect your glory. Let us be a people who today, tomorrow, and every day, and maybe even especially on a day like Thanksgiving Day, are those who can express the joy of the Lord in our lives for you are a God who rejoices. You are a God who brings joy to us. You are a God who wants us to bring your joy into this world. May we be witnesses of that joy. May we be those who will carry that joy wherever we go for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.